I love a good podcast, as you know, and I'm always happy to share resources for parents who are looking for creative, smart content that both entertains and offers enrichment for curious kids everywhere. So I'm happy to let you know about this awesome new show from the creators of the hit kids podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild, The Adventurous World of Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as Math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time, packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs. The series explores themes that kids like ours love, like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and more. And episodes transport kids into iconic periods in history like Pythagoras's Ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England. So cool. New episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a perfect length for those car rides, for meal times, for break times, and bedtimes. What I love about this show is that it's kind of like listening to a book on tape. The story is captivating and includes lots of problems listeners can try to solve. The voice actors are fantastic, and the math concepts are seamlessly weaved into the narrative. It's exactly the kind of show Ash would have loved a few years ago, especially during our homeschool years, because finding that perfect blend of entertaining and educating, it isn't always easy. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. I want people talking about this over the water cooler at work too. I want people to be thinking, you know, I don't want them to be able to engage with a neurodiverse person in the same way ever again. I want them to really have to question assumptions they have and stereotypes that they may be uh, reinforcing, whether they even are aware of it. I want this to be a conversation starter. Welcome to Tilt Parenting, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reaver, and I can only say this next thing one time and have it be true. And that is, today is the day that Differently Wired is finally out in the world. I wanted to devote this episode to Differently Wired, but rather than do a solo cast, I asked my dear friend and Tilt Parenting podcast editor, Donna Bardsley, to interview me. Donna and I met in Amsterdam, where Donna created and hosted the Amsterdam Mamas podcast. She's a fantastic interviewer, asks great questions, and is just super insightful. I thought she'd be the perfect person to have a deep dive conversation with me about Differently Wired, raising an exceptional child in a conventional world. We cover some new territory in this conversation, including how my kid really feels about all of this, what the reception was like when I initially pitched the book as a memoir before Tilt was even a thing, my thoughts surrounding the anticipated resistance that I expect will stem from trying to shake up this current paradigm, and much more. I hope you enjoy the conversation. And thank you again so much for celebrating this milestone with me and just for all of your support, the email messages, the comments in the Facebook group, you know, just all the love you guys have shared with me for this book and really just being an important part of this revolution that we are involved in to change the world for our kids. I'm so grateful to be in this with you. So without further ado, here is my chat with Donna about Differently Wired. Hello, Debbie, and welcome to your own podcast. <laughs> hey, Donna, <laughs> how are you? <laughs> Good. The question is, how are you? I'm good. So things are a little tense around here right now, but in a mostly good way. Yes. For our listeners, we're just a few days away from the big book tour. And uh, I will just say hello to your listeners. My name is Donna Bardsley, and I'm Debbie's editor. And for the next 30 minutes, I'm taking over and I get to interview Debbie. So I'm really excited about this. And I hope it's going to be really fun. I like having you in charge of the podcast. It sounds really nice. (laughs) (laughs) It sometimes is nice to just let someone else take over for a bit. Indeed. Indeed. Well, I know that you always ask your guests to start off and tell a little bit about themselves and also their personal why. So first, I want to get to know the behind the scenes, Debbie, a little bit better. The part of you that we might not know even after listening to the podcast, because obviously your audience knows you as the parent of Asher and as an advocate. But why don't you 
take this opportunity to tell us a little more about you, about your background, and maybe what besides Asher got you to where you are now with Tilt and writing this book, Differently Wired? Oh, goodness. So many things I could talk about. Um, I was talking with actually my Dutch teacher, Hester, about this because she was, uh, I showed her the finished book last week and we were discussing my work as an advocate and, you know, this role that I have in Tilt. And one of the things that we had this very fragmented conversation because I was doing it in Dutch and that's always a challenge for me. (laughs) But I was trying to explain that I'm just someone who has always felt like I need to be helping people in some way. You know, I was definitely that kid who said, I'm going to change the world, you know, when I, since I was a very young girl and have always felt this pull to positively impact other people, people who were marginalized groups or, you know, I used to volunteer at a retirement community when I was at probably in fourth or fifth grade in the summer every day, I'd walk a mile in the heat down to this retirement home because I just wanted to be of service. And I don't know where that came from. It's just who I am. I guess it's part of my own wiring. But always when I had a job, you know, either my jobs, my quote unquote, real world jobs, you know, I worked for UNICEF for a number of years. I worked for CARE, which is another relief and development organization. I worked on a human rights television show. And then I moved into kids television, but I was working in educational TV most of that time. So I always wanted to contribute in a way that would improve people's lives. Um, And I also volunteered with homeless teens in New York City for a couple years. And I helped work with mentoring teen girls at risk in Los Angeles for years. So I think I've just always felt the need to be doing something, you know, contributing and using my gifts as a writer, my, you know, I'm kind of a uber organized, productive person. And, and I'm, Oh, I know. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know. I've, that's just in my writing for teen girls for so many years too. I just was always trying to take lessons that I've learned and I'm a research junkie. So I've just found this kind of sweet spot of being able to to take all this research and and the inspiration that I find in other places and then share it with people in a way that's accessible to them. And so when I pivoted and decided to focus on supporting parents raising atypical kids, I was able to take all of that, you know, all of those skills and that experience and pour it all into Tilt and and the book Differently Wired. So it's a great culmination for me in many ways of who I am in the world. Yes. Kind of the perfect storm. Yeah, it is. So tackling your personal why, I I sort of witnessed it. I remember you talking about this shift that was happening and how you knew something big was on the horizon. You didn't know exactly what it was going to be, that something was brewing. And you also knew it was going to surround Asher and, you know, also with neuroatypical kids. And what was interesting to me was that it wasn't a fully formulated idea, but you were already really active and getting organized and doing what you needed to do, the background work, because you were, you were that motivated. I'll take us back to that moment in time or even a little further back if you need to. So why were you compelled at that time to start creating what now turned into Tilt and your book, Differently Wired. What had brought you to that point? Where were you at at that moment of time? Well, I think I knew from a very, when Asher was maybe five or six, that I eventually would be doing something in this space because I was in so much pain personally as a parent. And I've always turned my pain and challenges into something positive on the other end. I know that's how I operate. So I think I knew for a long time. And I do remember having lunch with my agent and I was always working on teen books, but one lunch we were discussing and she's like, oh, you're going to be writing about this, you know, and Asher was probably again, like five or six. And, and she said, but not yet. You need to live it first. And I was like, yeah, okay. I'm just going to keep living it because I, I didn't have any other choice. I mean, that's, I was so in it and, and, and really just in a challenging space. And um, 
actually two months before we came to Amsterdam. So summer of 2013, I attended the World Domination Summit, which is this fantastic weekend event that Chris Gillipo puts on in Portland. And it's just pulls really cool change makers from all over the world uh, to come together for a weekend and just get inspired and talk about mission-driven social change work. And I was there with my girlfriends and I was finishing a manuscript for a book for teen girls called Doable, The Girl's Guide to Accomplishing Just About Anything, a book that I loved and was super passionate about. But we went to dinner after that first night and I just distinctly remember telling her, this is my last book for teens. Like I, you know, I still love teenagers. I love teen girls. I think they're amazing and I want to support them, but I didn't, the passion was, had shifted and I just knew that I was moving on. And that was a really scary thing because I spent so much, so many years, you know, speaking at conferences and advocating for teen girls. And that was kind of my identity, but I just knew it was time. And I knew that this move to Amsterdam was going to be highly disruptive and was going to change our life. I knew me becoming a homeschool parent was going to change my life. I just knew we were at this real big pivot in our lives and in my life as a parent. And it just seemed like the time was right. Yes, you did see the very beginning. And I'm just someone who, once that switch happens in my mind, that just becomes the new thing that's happening. And so that that's what I did for the first couple of years after moving here was just give it time to, to grow and to marinate and let it start to show me what it was going to become. Well, even when you first moved here, you knew that, like you said, this was going to be a big pivot for you, but you didn't know how it was going to turn out. And I got to watch a little bit of that transformation. So was that also a big part of it? Once you saw how things changed for you and and for Asher and and the impact that it had in your life. Can you tell us a little more about that, about the effect that that had? Yeah, sure. I mean, my listeners will be very familiar with, you know, what I'm about to say, which is that that first year was really difficult. And there was so much adjusting that had to happen in terms of my own expectations for myself, for our family, for education, you know, for what it was all going to look like. And then having to acknowledge that while I thought I was all Zen and in full acceptance, I actually wasn't. And so I had to really go through a pretty difficult year where, yeah, I didn't know what it was going to become. And I I probably, I'm sure I couldn't have created Tilt at that time because I was still so much in it and in learning mode just to say, I am 100% still in it. <laughs> it's not that that has ended. Uh, the learning continues daily over here. So um, right. I'm right there with everybody else. But um, what we experienced as a family, what I experienced being with Asha every day, and then just my own personal journey really helped me start to understand what was possible in a whole new way and think about the ways and the shifts that I had made with a lot of, you know, again, guidance on incredible coaches and experts and me really experimenting with all of that and getting curious about what would happen if we did this and and then seeing such incredible response from Asher and watching things just develop in a way I never imagined possible. And I think that's when I started feeling like I want other parents to experience this. I want other parents to know that you can feel genuine joy and happiness, even in the midst of stuff that feels overwhelming and incredibly painful. Yeah. When you were, when you, when you knew you were really going to start working on it, you started to go through what I think is just a really fascinating and amazing process of preparing for that. Can you tell us a little bit about what you did? And just quickly, because I know it's not the the crux of what we want to talk about, but I think that really is um, a great insight into Debbie as a person. <laughs> yeah. 
I, you know, as you're asking that question, I'm picturing my purple binder. I have this <laughs> ginormous binder um, because I am such a research junkie and a I don't just start, I can't sit down and start something, I gather. So I went into serious like gather materials mode and I I went back through years and years worth of emails, you know, that I sent to my mom in the wee hours of the morning when Asher was three and, you know, all the notes I had gotten from teachers over the years, the good and the bad, and just started on this giant collection of memories and you know, notes that Darren and I wrote back and forth to each other where we were really, you know, talking about our biggest fears and concerns. And, you know, I just started to amass all of it. And I, I didn't know what the book was going to be. I thought it might be an inspirational memoir. So I started kind of laying out the entire journey, you know, and where all these different pieces would come in. And for me, you know, when I write books, there is a really messy phase in the beginning where the book really can be anything because it's not formed yet. And that's a really exciting place to be. And it's also super overwhelming because the book can be anything. And it's your job to figure out what are the most important pieces of this story. But yeah, so for me, I probably spent months like creating this ginormous binder and going down memory lane. And it was painful in many ways to revisit a lot of these things too. But it was also exciting to see, wow, I can't believe how far we've come. Like I can't believe three or four years ago, we, this is the place that our family was in and it was not a good place. And so it was, uh, it was just interesting to, to process all of that. Yeah, that was what I was interested in next was what was that like to review that whole experience to look back to read all those things to refill it maybe and then also to be thinking about it in a way of sharing it with other people what was that like yeah there was honestly part of me that was like oh my god i i can't even believe that this was how hard things were like at the time when you're in this and for listeners who are still in this place I know this feeling, it feels like this is it. Like you can't imagine a reality, a daily life where this, you're not going to feel this way, where you're not going to feel this stuck or that there are no options or that the future is bleak, you know? So it was, it was almost like I just decided to pocket, you know, to file that part of my life away because it seems so far removed from what I was experiencing then by the time I started doing this work. But it was really important for me to make sure to share pieces of that because I think it is in those years and when we're in that place that we feel our most isolated, our most, we're just alone. We're so alone, you know, when our mind is racing at one in the morning and we've had a horrible day and we know the next day has the potential to be even worse and we feel like no one else gets how dark things can be for us. And so it was really important to me to share enough of my journey that people could know that I've been there, that I'm, I am in, I am there still um, sometimes and that it's okay. Like it's, you're not alone in what you're going through and there is another way to experience this. Yeah. Is there anything, I'm going to put you on the spot here for a minute. Is there anything from that process, maybe something you found or you know, an emotion that you relived that was most surprising to you? Does anything stand out as really noteworthy or meaningful or intense? Yeah, I would say I still, I still have anger surrounding the Mm. way one particular school handled our exit. And uh, it's still there. And that caught me off guard. It's still, you know, something I'm still processing. And that bums me out because, you know, in many ways, I mean, first of all, it was a gift, you know, just like when some loser boyfriend or girlfriend dumps you, it always ends up to be a gift because you get to discover who you are, your life gets better, you know? So I know it was meant to happen and I'm, I still am hurt and have upset about the way it was handled. And I think that definitely that was painful to even go back and reread how exactly that unfolded and to know that I still, I still am upset about that. And that 
I didn't realize that I still had that in me. We'll be right back after this quick break. I'm on the road this month and oh man, am I missing my sweet kitties, Haskell and Lua. They've been a part of our family for more than two years and I'm so grateful they're keeping Darren such good company while I'm away. If you're getting a new pet soon, you're probably already thinking about everything you'll need to buy. Food, toys, a cozy bed, doggy bags or litter boxes. Something you may not be thinking about though is pet insurance. That's why you should check out ASPCA Pet Health Insurance. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they may need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are, because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash parenting. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash parenting. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash parenting. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. If you listen to this show, you probably know that at least one in five children is differently wired. But did you know that approximately one in two women will experience hair thinning? If you're part of that 50%, you are absolutely not alone. But because hair thinning for women isn't something people openly talk about, going through it can feel lonely and frustrating. So why not do something about it with Nutrafol? Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. Everyone's root causes of hair thinning are different, so a one-size-fits-all approach to hair growth isn't going to cut it. Nutrafol has multiple formulas tailored to give your hair what it needs to grow throughout different stages, postpartum, menopause, even for different lifestyles like a plant-based diet. To get your personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes, you can take a simple hair wellness quiz on Nutrafol.com. And because there's no prescription required, you can quickly get set up online with free shipping and automated deliveries, which make it so much easier to stick with your new hair care routine. See results in three to six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code TILT. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com promo code TILT. That's Nutrafol.com promo code TILT. I wonder if that also was really formative in what you're doing with tilt, because I imagine that the pain from that, it wasn't just, oh, their tone wasn't, I didn't appreciate their tone, but it involves your child and how your child is being treated and perceived in the world. Mm -hmm. And so you needed that anger. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think at the time I needed it in order to be able to realize that this wasn't okay, what was happening. I also, you know, I think in doing this work, one of the best gifts that I didn't realize when I started creating it was how much I would get back from the community. And I hear from parents every day who share their stories with me. And, you know, I created this because I wanted other parents to know they're not alone, but I also get to reap the benefits of that. And I know that what I went through and what our family went through in those couple of years of school hopping it's kind of a pretty typical experience for parents with atypical kids. And that's comforting. I I wish that other parents didn't have to go through the same thing, but it, it was a, I took note of like, wow, we, there's a lot of parents just in deep pain about this stuff. It is really painful to go through that with a, a young child and, it's all traumatic for a family, I think, to have to go through a, a painful exit from, from a school that you trusted. Yes, absolutely. Well, as I'm not a licensed therapist, <laughs> we will. 
thanks for bringing all that up. No. <laughs> it's so important to talk about, but yeah, sorry for the impromptu therapy session from somebody totally unqualified. Uh, but let's, well, first of all, tell us about Differently Wired. Tell us about the book and how you structured it and why. Yeah. And as you're asking me that question, I'm remembering that you and I went away for a weekend and and you were working on it. Yeah. And I wrote the introduction to the book that weekend. That was the, my one thing I finished. That's so funny. Okay. Um, yes. The structure is a little different because I want this to be more than I want. I want a lot for this book. I have some really big hopes for this book. So we will talk about those too. <laughs> yeah. So I had read, you know, a few years before starting this, I had read Susan Cain's book, Quiet, about the power of introversion. And what I loved about that book was it really was a manifesto in that it brought to light or, you know, drew attention to this reality, this situation. And and it really caught people's eye like, oh, wait a minute, we've been thinking about this completely differently. I need to pay attention to what's really going on here. And so that really stuck with me. And so when I started writing Differently Wired, I wanted the same thing and that I absolutely want to support parents raising Differently Wired kids and give them all the strategies that I can to show them how they can make these little shifts in their daily life to more fully lean into what's happening in their family so their whole family can thrive. So there's that piece. But I wanted that bigger conversation to be started as well. I want people talking about this over the water cooler at work too. I want people to be thinking, you know, I don't want them to be able to engage with a neurodiverse person in the same way ever again. I want them to really have to question assumptions they have and stereotypes that they may be uh, reinforcing, whether they even are aware of it. I want this to be a conversation starter. So I structured it. It's kind of in two parts. So the first part is more of the manifesto piece. That's the piece where I really just wanted to look at neurodiversity, where we are, where our kids are, why we're in this situation, what is keeping this paradigm in place, like what are the contributing factors to keeping our kids stuck and our families stuck, and just get people energized around, you know what, it is time for things to change. So I really wrote it as kind of a rally cry in that way. And then the second part, which is probably two-thirds of the book, is, you know, I call it how everything can change. And that's the very practical part. So I include 18 tilts. I had to use the word tilt in the book. So um, <laughs> but so these are 18 kind of smaller chapters. And each chapter presents a big idea about some aspect of your life that you can examine, explore, and make some changes in your thinking and behavior in order to keep pushing this shift of the paradigm forward. Because I really do believe, and I write this in the book, that the change has to start with us as parents of atypical kids. We're, we have the best motivation, we have the most at stake, and we're just in the perfect position to do it. So the more that we can lean into who our kids are, to be confident about it, to use our voices, and to advocate for what's happening in our lives and for our children, I don't believe there's any way that the current paradigm can stay in place. It has to change. Yeah. Do you want to talk specifically about how you see this differing from other books out there that are about parenting um, atypical kids? Yeah, it's interesting that when we, when Susan and I, Susan's my agent, when we originally pitched the original concept for this book, which we pitched probably a year before I developed Tilt, the feedback that we got was, oh, there's already, there's enough special needs parenting books out there, or, you know, we don't need another autism mom book, or we, you know, there's this very, like, that box is checked, moving on, you know, and so, that was really frustrating for me because I saw this book as so much more. And, and first of all, I have 
all of those other books in my bookshelf. So it's not yeah. that I, you know, I am all for all of the books that tell you what to do and how to, you know, the smart but scattered and, you know, the parenting books and the explosive child. And, you know, I've got my whole list of my go-to resources. Um, and I think those are all great. But one of the things that those books for me also did was reinforce or constantly remind me that there's a problem here. This is something different and not in a great way. And we need to quote unquote, fix it. We need to address it. And I wanted this book to feel exciting and optimistic and hopeful. So this isn't a, here's something wrong. We need to fix it. It's like, whoa, your kids are part of this incredible generation of brilliant, creative change makers who have some serious work to do in the world. And how cool is that? So I, yeah. you know, just from a high level, I wanted the, I want this book and, and I don't, you know, of course there are inspirational memoirs about the, the brilliant kid who is a physicist at age 14. And, you know, those are optimistic in a whole other way, but they're, that's not met most of us. Most of us don't have the kids graduating from Harvard at 14. So I wanted this to just instantly help people feel like they're a part of something. You know, we're a part of something. There's power in numbers. This is not a sentence, uh, you know, or this isn't like a an indicator that our life's going to be hard. This is an incredible opportunity to do something pretty amazing in the world. And by letting and helping our kids thrive, I think the limits of, you know, what that can do for the world, there, there aren't any. I think there's so much good that can come out of our kids stepping into their incredible selves and really bringing all of their gifts into the world. So it sounds like this is more than just a parenting book or even a book aimed at parents. Do you have a bigger audience than mine? Yeah, I actually gave an early copy of the book to my friend here, Jessica, who is kind of a speaking coach and we're working together. And I shared with her the book and she came back to me and she was like, oh my gosh, this like every workplace needs to read your book. Like this is so many, there's because everyone works with differently wired people, like differently wired people are everywhere. And I, when she said that, I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like this is, this isn't just for parents. This is to raise awareness of the fact that there are so many people moving through the world differently and we may not know it, but we need them. Like we want their gifts. We want them to really thrive because we all thrive. You know, we all do better as a society when they can be who they are and feel supported and welcomed and embraced. But I would say, you know, when I was writing the book, I was thinking obviously parents like me, but then all parents really, I, I want all parents to read this book. So, you know, I think parents of typical kids are a big piece of this puzzle. They have a lot of power. They're kind of like the they're the cool clique <laughs> in school. Like we need them as allies. But it's also for educators because educators are overwhelmed and having, you know, an average of five differently wired kids in their classroom and a lot of them just don't have the, you know, they maybe have one class on how to deal with the learning difference. And so they don't necessarily understand our experience. And I think for them to have a better sense of who these kids are, what these kids need, and how to lift them up as well will help. So I wanted to kind of trickle out and spread far and wide to, you know, all the different kinds of readers who are interacting with our kids, which is really everybody. Yeah, I can attest that it does really have an upbeat and optimistic feel to it. Also with a lot of heft, you know, like there's solid takeaways in there and solid action items. And I, but I like that it does help you imagine a world where other parents down the road have something different in place. Yeah. And so it does really feel big that way. So. Good. Yay. Good job to you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Okay. The title, Differently Wired, this is the driving force, this shifting our, our thinking and doing that with just the words that we use to describe 
these kids. Um, tell us about, you mentioned in the book, uh, going back and finding the term differently wired over and over in your notes on your brainstorming sessions. I'm just curious, do you remember the first time that you came in contact with that phrase? Was it something you heard or was it an aha moment or just more of a gradual thing? Tell us a little bit more about the birth of that phrase. We'll be right back after this quick break. This year, I've been working on becoming more attuned to my body. And so I'm starting to really recognize how periodic spikes in anxiety or disruptions to my routines can seriously throw my whole system off. And as I've been traveling a ton this past month, which is both disruptive and somewhat stressful, I'm especially glad that I have the extra support of Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement from Ritual with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Symbiotic Plus provides fuel to the cells that make up the gut lining to support a healthy gut barrier. And it comes in this very cool minty delayed release capsule, which was specifically designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract for delivery to the colon. The bonus is that the capsules don't need to be refrigerated, so I can easily bring them with me in my carry-on. On a personal level, I love that Ritual is committed to sustainability. They're a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable long-term to not only think about their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash tilt for 25% off. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. But I know that raising complex kids can be messy and lonely. And just when we think we figured it out, something comes up that boots us right back to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. That's why I've poured everything into creating a way for parents like us navigating complex parenting journeys to join together and chart a path that feels positive, hopeful, and doable. It's the brand new Differently Wired Club experience. In the club, you'll get personal support from me and other seasoned parent coaches, six live calls every month where you can connect and get your personal questions answered, the opportunity to learn directly from authors and experts like I have on this show, monthly themes for getting specific and tactical, an exclusive private podcast feed, and the best, most generous community of parents. Seriously, these folks show up for themselves and each other, and that right there is really everything. Because it's a daily reminder that we're not alone. Our kids aren't broken, and we have totally got this. The recently rebooted Differently Wired Club is on a brand new platform with its very own iOS and Android app. It is such a great space. However you learn, whatever your style, no matter the ages, genders, and neurodivergent profile of your children, the Differently Wired Club can help you cultivate the positive shifts you're hoping for. Join us today by going to tiltparenting.com slash club. That's tiltparenting.com slash club. I hope to see you on the inside. I wish I had a great story about it. <laughs> I, I honestly, I feel like it materialized. Um... I'm quite certain that my friend Allison Bauer, who I mentioned in the book, and she was my educational curriculum advisor during that first year of homeschooling. She's a dear friend of mine, and she's also an educator who was the head of school at one of the schools Asher had gone to. And I feel like at one point we were having one of our many, many conversations over tea about what was going on in my world and, and with Asher that she talked about. I just remember, I can hear her voice saying someone, you know, he's, he's wired differently. And for some reason, you know, that stuck with me. And I, I remember liking it and thinking, yeah, that sounds kind of cool, actually. Like, that's just different. You know, it's not, it doesn't have any negative connotation to it. And so it just, yeah, I think those words, I, I became really just tuned into the power of language and repeated situations with, with Asher, where I would talk about something and he's, you know, he's always thinking about things at such a highly intellectual and critical level, which I love about him. And he challenges me on everything. You know, I can't just say something and not expect him to, you know, question it or try to poke holes at it. And 
he kept reminding me or he'd catch me using a phrase or mentioning something and and he would say, hey, that sounds like this, you know, and that's not a good thing. And I'm like, you're totally right. You know, so I started becoming really aware of the language I was using. And so in developing tilt parenting, differently wired emerged as a way to to talk about who our kids are without dividing us into these diagnostic buckets and without even having to have a diagnosis at all, but just acknowledging that there is there are differences, there are variances in the neurology of humans. And that's all good. You know, it's a good thing. It's it's interesting. It's part of evolution, I believe. And so it just felt it just emerged, you know, as this kind of natural language. And then once once I started using it on tilt, I got just so much feedback. I still get a lot of feedback from people who just say, I love that term. Like it it changes things for people. The minute you adopt it, it just actually shifts the emotions around what you're experiencing. Yes, I agree. It has such a different feel, a different energy than other terms like disorder, which I know that in the medical field and in the scientific realm, those have their places. But when we're talking about our children who are people, mm-hmm. it just makes such a difference. So I yeah. love that. I'm also curious, after now having read the book, you, you talked about that section, the 18 tilts. Was there a particular one of those that has maybe more significance or meaning or impact for you than the others? And that might be one of those questions that's impossible to answer, but maybe it's multiple or, you, you know, you just can't say, but I'm wondering if there's, you know, a particular one that's really the game changer for you or, hmm. or much more meaningful? That's such a good question. I'm looking, I actually have them posted on my wall. So I'm looking at them. I'm like, mm, they are all a huge part. <laughs> I, I would say the two that are jumping out at me are, and I, you know, again, my people who have been listening for a while, this won't surprise them, but tilt three, which is letting go of what others think that has been huge for me. And Personally, that has been something that I have struggled with for so long and, you know, caused so much unnecessary pain in my own life, being concerned about perceptions and, you know, judgments and just what our life looked like in the outside world and in preschool and school, you know, to other people, because as someone who likes to, to do really well things, I felt like I was failing. and. So that was a really biggie for me. Um, The other one that is big for me, and that's still something I continue to work on pretty much daily, is uh, Tilt 6, and that is letting your child be on their own timeline. And, you know, you and I have talked about this a lot, and I write write about this in the book that you guys lived on the other side of Vondel Park, and it was a big deal for Asher to be able to walk over to your house alone. And, you know, that was something that for me, I knew we were on a different timeline than other kids his age. And so just having to navigate my own issues. And in some ways, it's still connected with letting go of what others think, because I, you know, timelines are very much about there's, this is the norm. And so, and the timeline one still comes up for me a lot, just because we are choosing such an unconventional path in so many ways. And, uh, but they all do. I mean, all of these things are things that I still grapple with. Yeah. I'm looking at the time and realizing we haven't even got to the question that I think probably a lot of people are very curious about, which is how did Asher feel about you writing this book? I know you guys are very open with him and always get his permission and talk to him What's his um, response been? Has he been able to read it? And how did that go? Yeah, so I did, you know, he knew from the beginning that I was working on it. And he is also in many ways, my biggest fan. Um, Darren would say he is, but you know, they're, they're both close. But, you know, I have to just say, initially, there was a lot of jockeying going around for who was going to get the, uh, the dedication in the front of the book. So. <laughs> 
there's a lot of, uh, you know, well, I think I should, you know, be, but well, it's really about me. And so anyway, I did dedicate it to Asher. He, he likes his dedication. Um, when I was writing the book, I did, I read it to him. I wanted him to understand what I was sharing, why I was sharing it. I wanted him to know that it's not about him because it's not. And I, as I explained to him that I did share some of the, you know, harder times from when he was a little guy, because that was really important to, it was important to show our journey because that was what was going to help readers really connect with it and kind of see themselves in our story. And that is so important when you're writing a book like this. And so he understood that. And I, and I know it's hard for him because he in reflecting, well, you know, he was a little guy and, and I think it's hard for him to know that his behavior was so tough. And I, of course, remind him, you know, your needs were not being met. Like anyone would react the way you reacted if their needs weren't being met, you know, and your needs weren't being met because we didn't know what the hell we were doing. Like we didn't know how to help you. And that's really hard for a little person who's new to the world, you know, and experiencing it in the way that you're experiencing it. So, you know, we've had those conversations. I would say now, uh, I think it's interesting because he is, as I've mentioned on a couple podcasts and as he's getting older, he's totally appropriately becoming more private about his feelings and thoughts and his experiences. And I fully support that and honor that. And so I think it's, it's a little strange knowing that he's, he's out there in, in the book. And, you know, we've talked about that and I was like, there's really not nothing that's in there that we haven't discussed openly on the podcast in the past and I also just kind of have let him off the hook. I said, you know, this, the book and what happens from the book and the book tour stops that I'm doing and the talks, they're not going to be about you. This isn't, you know, you are, you're kind of a gift in how you've started this conversation, but this is really about the parent's journey and how we as parents can, can help our kids be happier and just get to be who they are. So I did want him to just feel a sense of I'm not going to be going on tour and showing slideshows about, you know, it's not about him. And in fact, even in the book, you know, I, I interviewed so many other parents because I didn't want this book to be our story. Um, It's my own vantage point, but I include conversations with many, many other families that I interviewed because it was important to me to, you know, to have a lot of voices in there. Yes. Yes. Um, you, you have a lot of hopes for this book going out into the world. What do you most want readers to know before they pick it up? Maybe what the book is or what it's not. Yeah, I would say that this isn't your typical parenting book. You know, that this is a book that's going to change you on some level. It's going to shift your thinking, whether you want it to or not. You know, I wrote it to shake things up. And I wrote it to challenge people to question everything that they think they know about raising kids, whether you're raising an atypical kid or not. And if I did my job right, you're not going to be able to read the book and emerge from the experience the same parent you were before. You're going to be more introspective. You're going to be maybe a little more forgiving with yourself. You're going to feel motivated to get to know your child better you know, I I really want and expect, maybe this is too lofty a goal, but again, if I did my job right, you're going to feel different and more empowered and confident about who you are as a parent and more excited about what's possible, no matter who your child is. Um, In this lofty goal you have, you know, every revolution, every big movement has its critics or gets pushed back. So, One, are you ready for any resistance to your message? And two, is there anything you want to say to people who might not understand what you're trying to do with this? Or is there anything, you know, you want to address that's already come up? There's not going to be any critics. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I will say I know 
putting something like this out there, of course, there's going to be critics of all kinds. And I'm just trying to toughen up a little bit for, you know, prepare myself for those less than flattering Amazon reviews that might show up or um, feedback that I get. Um, I would say that I do think there's going to be resistance because of what I just said, that this is intended to be provocative and that especially if you are raising a neurotypical child and so you're you're part of a, a different you know experience in parenting and and I call you out in the book as being a contributing factor to this current paradigm which is definitely not working for most kids and certainly not for atypical kids you know it's I'm fully expecting it's going to trigger some people's um annoyance or defensiveness. You know, no one likes to be told that they're doing something wrong when they're going through life trying to make really good choices for their families and doing the best they can. What I hope happens is that people don't get defensive, but rather see, you know, the potential what can happen when everyone is really embraced. Because when that happens, again, I've said this many times, but everyone benefits, including kids who are neurotypical who are in classrooms with these kids and can learn so much from them as well and can also grow up being their best allies. You know, I think we can all play a role in this and I believe we have to. I believe we need allies across the board in order for this shift to really happen. So I would just say if it triggers something in somebody and by that, you know, that word trigger is kind of a strange word, but if it, if it just gets under your skin, you know, bothers somebody. To me, that's a sign that it's doing its job, that the book has brought something up for that person. And if the person is willing to examine what's underneath that, then there might be some thinking there, some belief system there that's not serving them, that's not serving their family, and that's certainly not serving families with neurodiverse kids. So be willing to explore what comes up for you. That would be my hope for people who who have that knee-jerk reaction to something they read. Yeah, that's great. I really like that. And I'll just say for me, reading the book, what I really loved is that even though the title of the book is Differently Wired, and which I have already said I love, I actually really loved the reminders throughout the book that ultimately these kids who are atypical in many ways and go against the grain and can make, you know, parenting experiences, like you said in the book, more in lots of ways, you know, maybe more intense or things like that. I love the reminders that really ultimately they're human. They have the same needs for acceptance and love and security. And um, they have the right for a good education and they have the right to be heard And that's what we all need. And I loved that actually, and it's not to downplay the differences, but I just love the reminders of we're all humans. We're all just moving through the world, man. Like I like to believe that every being here is creative, resourceful, and whole, and we're exactly who we're supposed to be. And so it's not anyone's job to decide who gets to participate in this way and who doesn't, you know, it just doesn't work that way. Right. Lovely. Okay. Tell us about your book tour and how people can connect with you on that. It's starting soon. It is starting soon. And in fact, I'm going to see you in a few days because my first stop um, after the airing of this episode is in Seattle on the 15th. Yes, I will be there. So yay. And a lot of people are coming. I'm so excited. It's good. Yeah, there's it's going to be pretty full, which is great. And uh, yeah, so I'm going to be going from Seattle and then on to Portland and then San Jose. And then I'm flying back to Washington, D.C. And I'm hopping back to Chicago because that's what you do. (laughs) And then I'm going back to the East Coast and I'll be doing a stop in Maplewood, New Jersey. And then New York City is, um, so those two are my last two on the tour. And so some of them are in conversations with. So I have Scott Barry Kaufman is joining me in New York City, which I'm super excited about. Uh, my friend Nancy Alton Schatz is interviewing me in Seattle. And um, Dr. Robin Silverman's interviewing me in Maplewood, New Jersey. 
my friend Randy Millard is interviewing me in DC. So there'll be different formats, but they're really, they're not just going to be me standing in front reading and then, you know, taking questions. I want them to feel very community oriented and I want people to feel really inspired when they leave. If people are interested about that, if you're in or near those cities, the best place to go is tiltparenting.com slash tour. And you can get um, links to all the the events and find out all the details about it. Okay. I've already signed up for the one in Seattle. Um, I know that you can register and you, and they're free, but you can print out tickets. Is that necessary? You don't need the tickets. I, I have little Eventbrite pages set up for them just just so I can have a sense of who's coming uh, really. And yeah, but it's not necessary. And if you don't register ahead of time, come on over anyway. Okay. How can people help spread the word? What are you hoping for? Well, I will say that today is launch day. So June 12th and the pre-order bonuses are open until midnight. So just letting people know that if they buy a copy still today, you get these extras that I made and you can find all the details on tiltparenting.com slash book. But if you get those, then share them with other people. And also, yeah, just help me spread the word. If you're in Facebook groups that support parents with atypical kids, share the book. If you have a book club, I will do, I will show up even if it's three in the morning and I'm in my pajamas, I will Skype with your book club if you guys want to read my book. So, you know, just sharing the word, this is very much a word of mouth kind of movement. Tilt Parenting has been that way. And I think this book is going to be that kind of book where you share it with a friend, you read it, you like it, you buy one for your kid's teacher, you buy one for your grandparents, you know, just like the more people we can get conversing and, you know, talking about these issues, the better. So use your social media and anything you need from me. Like if anyone wants to interview me for their blog or, you know, I'm making myself fully available because I want to amplify this message as much as possible. Great. And it sounds like you have got a lot going on in just a few weeks, which is really exciting. And I hope everything goes really well with the tour. I hope you're able to connect with a lot of people in the community. I know that that's going to be just a really great opportunity for you, especially mm, yeah. being across the pond. I want to hug people. That- that's what I keep saying. <laughs> I'm like, I just want to, you know, I want to be in the same room as, as the incredible parents in this community because, yeah, I don't really get that so much over here. Well, I, I want to be the one um, on behalf of the Tilt community and your listeners because I'm not just your friend and your editor, but also a Tilt listener. So I just want to say thank you so much for everything you're doing. You are doing such amazing work in this world, and it's so important and so needed. So thank you once again, and thanks for joining me on the podcast today. (laughs) Thanks for having me. It was my pleasure. (laughs) I guess wishes for Differently Wired from the depths of my heart. You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. For the show notes for this episode, visit tiltparenting.com slash podcast and search for this conversation. If you like what you heard on today's episode, I would be grateful if you could take a minute to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or a review. Thank you so much for helping us stay visible so people who would benefit from the show can easily find it. If you want to support the show and help me cover the cost of production, please consider joining my Patreon campaign. To support the show, just visit patreon.com slash Tilt Parenting. Lastly, if you aren't already part of the online community at Tilt, I invite you to sign up at tiltparenting.com on the box in the bottom where it says join the revolution. Every Thursday, I send out a short email with a quick note from me, a link to that week's podcast episode, and links to five stories from the news that week that are relevant to parents like us. Again, you can sign up and learn more about Tilt at www.tiltparenting.com. 
Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.